Hey, short and sweet, parenting tips, coming at you now. Hello, all you wonderful parents out there. I am so privileged to be sharing this airspace with you for today's short and sweet parenting tips 16 called a warning label for your kid's cell phone, part one of three. Today, we'll explore why this is so important, give you some tools to handle your kid's arguments against parental monitoring, and provide some options to prevent cell phone use from getting out of control. Parts two and three will include discussions on kids using social media on their phones, how to set time limits, and parental control apps. I strongly suggest you don't listen to this where your kids can hear it. Sometimes those parents have top secret things to discuss. My dear parents, you are brave souls for tuning in because it seems that kids and cell phones can be a hot button topic. Hopefully some of the information will help you avoid being completely blindsided by what your kid is doing on their cell phone. I've seen too many responsible, vigilant, conscientious parents being caught off guard because they didn't have the tools to manage their kid's phone use. We all want to protect our children and a cell phone for our kids can seem like a harmless fluffy puppy when we welcome it into our home. Aww, you're so cute. (laughs) But before we know it, this seemingly harmless tool turns into a raging beast that can barely be held back by the cute polka dot pet collar you've put on it. Get down, 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 boy, down, back, back, back. Oh. Well, unlike my usual approach to a big topic like this, I'm not going to quote a bunch of research. Today, I come to you as a friend and fellow mom who is also navigating this unique challenge. Just someone sharing some concerns, maybe who's a little farther down the parenting road than you are, Even though I won't get all scientific-y here, some big picture articles will be posted on the Short and Sweet Tips Facebook page if you'd like to dig deeper on your own. So if you have an elementary age kid or younger, pretend I'm you from 10 years in the future, coming back in time to give you some vital intelligence. To the parents of tweens and teens, this is real-time information and suggestions to help you navigate a safe environment for your kids to use their cell phones. Prevention is infinitely better than being forced to deal with the damage caused by unchecked cell phone use in our kids. Not my kid, you might say. I thought the same thing. I saw articles about cell phone use absolutely not being beneficial to our kids, and I figured we can handle this. Please take their cautions seriously about the exponential rise in cyberbullying, girls cutting themselves to cope, and suicides in teenagers, tweens, and earlier, all linked to a rise in cell phone use and often social media related, and all starting younger and younger. (sighs) But my goal is not to scare you. It's to give you the tools and awareness to do something about this out-of-control monster that cell phones are becoming. So let's start out easy by debunking the arguments we get from our teenagers and tweens against us monitoring or controlling their phone use. Two popular claims from kids are the I paid for my phone so I can do what I want argument and the don't you trust me guilt trip. But before tackling these arguments individually, 
My universal suggestion is that you sit down and have a heart-to-heart with your kid in a mature fashion during a neutral time. I know that's hard in this day and age, but do your best. This ideally would happen before getting them a cell phone, but that's not a reality for many of us. And this discussion should happen whether or not your kid owns their device. Explain to them that we, as their parents, are still responsible for them as the underage, not-quite-adults that they are. Please communicate this to your kids in a loving, impartial way so that it doesn't unconsciously become a power struggle and or they don't feel like you're treating them like a child. Second, have a two-way conversation with your kid discussing the trade-off of having their phone now with some limitations rather than risking it being taken away completely later on. This is not a threat to scare them into compliance. Please explain to them that this is actually the inevitable consequence that fellow parents are resorting to now when faced with out-of-control cell phone use by their 15 and 16-year-olds. One family I know took the phone away altogether, and another one got their kid an old-school flip phone. Whew, talk about a demotion. All kidding aside... This perspective might resonate with your kid and help them understand that they're really getting a good deal. Resist bringing up the consequences and approaches we're about to discuss, though. Keep those in your back pocket for now, or your kids may anticipate your actions and derail your options. So, regarding the I paid for it argument, first, if you arranged for your kid to pay for their phones, I've got to hand it to you. Good going. <laughs> um, unless, of course, they're on their third phone and you finally made them pay for that one. Guilty as charged. <laughs> Let's start by looking at this from a love and logic angle. For the majority of us parents, we probably still pay for the Wi-Fi and data plan that our kids use. So, while your kid feels like they have unlimited privileges on their phone because they paid for it, You providing the Wi-Fi and data plan gives you some leverage right there. Their phone won't do much good if it's not connected to a network. Here's a real-life example kind of along those lines. Last year, we unplugged our modem at night and hid the cord when we suspected our teen of using our Echo Dot and watching Netflix on TV after bedtime. Please note that our internet provider now offers ways to isolate each device so you can turn off the internet at certain times and limit websites. So... Definitely, I suggest you check with your own internet provider to see what they offer. Back to the I paid for it argument. Another love and logic tactic, though a bit on the extreme side, is to put a password on your kid's phone. I want to point out that if you own the phone, then you can justifiably take it away without argument or debating with your kid. However, if the phone was paid for by your child and you go the password route as a consequence, the phone is technically still theirs, it belongs to them, it's in their possession, but until they follow your rules, they can't access it. Harsh, I know. Be sure if you use this approach that you are doing so in a love and logic way, which means the consequence speaks for itself, you don't editorialize on it, and you are very compassionate and make sure they know you're on their side. I definitely want to do a love and logic podcast, and I actually thought I had, but I guess I hadn't. Anyway, that said, I think a password should be a last resort because it's rather severe, and you want to give them a chance to comply with the other options. Again, don't threaten them with this specifically, or our tech-savvy kids will preemptively find a way around it. 
Also, you need to know that if the phone has a fingerprint reader, you can change the password, but if you don't disable the fingerprint unlock function, it will not lock out your kid. That reminds me, you should know all your kids' passwords for safety reasons. This is for social media, if they're on it, email, Pinterest, everything. Not because you'll be snooping into their business. And parents, please don't pry into your teen's business. They need to have some secrets from you, and they need to know that you respect their privacy. Just for safety reasons, it's good to have these passwords. That segues right into the other argument you may hear. Don't you trust me? This is gut-wrenching because we have to ask ourselves, do we trust our kids? This is a tough one, whether our kids have proven themselves trustworthy or not. I just had the do you trust me conversation with my 16-year-old last week because she wanted Netflix on her personal phone and computer. As the discussion became more emotionally charged, I simply told her that our decision had nothing to do with whether or not we trusted her. I explained that it was a bad parenting decision to let her have free, unfiltered access to Netflix. Afterwards, though, it got me thinking. Was it deep down really a trust issue? And hadn't she been working super hard to be trustworthy lately? The next day, she and I had a chance to sit down and chat, and this is the explanation I gave her. Yes, I trust you. And when I said that giving you access to Netflix was just a bad parenting decision, it had nothing to do with whether or not we trust you. This might be an extreme example, but let me explain how a parenting decision can be made outside of how trustworthy a teenager is. I can trust my teen completely, no doubt in my mind, but I still wouldn't give that teen a loaded gun. Even though I trusted them completely, that would be a bad parenting decision. Surprisingly, she accepted my reasoning without nitpicking the comparison. I can picture a lot of teens arguing the irrelevance of a loaded gun, but I think it helped that we sat down the next day and not in the heat of the argument. Speaking of a loaded gun, though, what about kids using social media on their cell phones? I tell you, this topic spans so many different angles that I just needed to make it into a separate episode, so that will be fully explored in part three. There's some stuff parents really need to know, so I hope you tune in. Okay, let me bring things down a little bit. Thinking about the parent I know who demoted their teen to a flip phone, that actually might be a great place for you to start out with your tween. If they just need a phone for calling or messaging their friends and coordinating with you, a flip phone really would do the trick. Most flip phones have basic messaging features and the ability to take and share photos. That combination is more than enough for a beginner right there. I know they won't have access to all the emojis, which would devastate my tween, but this will give them a chance to prove their responsibility with a low threat device, like cell phone training wheels. If you want to allow your kids access to a smartphone or tablet though, then you absolutely need a parental control app. We started out not having any control on our daughter's phone when she first got it. Big mistake. Luckily, we caught it before things got too out of control. I challenge you to monitor your kid's phone for a couple weeks and see for yourself whether or not you feel the same way. Most parental monitoring apps have a free trial period. So you can try it out free of charge See what your kid is up to, and then decide from there. Maybe it will be a non-issue. I sincerely hope that there is nothing surprising for you to see on your kid's phone. Part 2 will cover specifics about parental control apps and which ones I recommend. But to give you an idea, with parental controls, you can block certain apps, 
have the phone lock automatically between designated hours or at specific times, and get alerted if your child is viewing inappropriate content. Important to note, the first step in the process is for you to download the parent version on your phone. <laughs> then you set up your kid's device. I will go ahead and post links to the apps I would recommend, but I will cover the details and pros and cons of each in part two. Granted, it's a lot of work and time consuming to manage, let alone control, our kids' phone use. Trust me, it takes a lot of energy to be that intentional, but it's a fight we have to fight because what's the alternative? Like I said, I've seen parents of older teens just taken down by the content on their teen's device when the truth about what their kid has been doing on their phone comes out. You can't hold back this monster forever or pretend it doesn't exist. Don't wait until the thing eats your kid to acknowledge what it's morphed into. Metaphorically speaking, of course. We will get pushback from our kids. But deep down, I believe they know we're doing this out of our profound love for them. And I bet in the back of their minds, they know that they shouldn't even be clicking on whatever taboo thing they're looking at. My dear parents, this was a tough one. So if you made it this far with me, I salute you. We parents have to stick together and help each other. Please come back over the next two weeks so I can give you some more how-tos on parental control apps and time limits. And then especially tune in to part three because there are things about social media that all parents really need to know. But for now, that's it for this short and sweet parenting tip. Fresh ideas in bite-sized portions. 